And I am Rachel. This is the Movement Toward Change podcast, and we are using dance as a means to cultivate community and start conversations. Today, we are honored to speak to dance physical therapist Kate Hamilton. Kate is the founder of GirlFit Physical Therapy in Newton, Massachusetts, which is dedicated to providing health, wellness, and injury prevention for girls and women. She is also a physical therapist for Team USA Figure Skating and spent several years as a physical therapist on traveling Broadway shows. Thank you for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me. So you've had a really exciting career as a dance physical therapist. Could you just tell us a bit about your journey to this point and if a specific event shaped your career in any way? Of course. Um, so I was a dancer when I was very young um, and then gymnastics really became my primary sport. But I continued to do dance training for gymnastics. Um, I also did a lot of theater. Uh, so I danced through theater and I ended up going to a performing arts high school. Um, I Afterwards, I went to college at Hendricks College in Arkansas and then to physical therapy school at Emory University. After coming out of physical therapy school, I worked in just general outpatient orthopedics and sports uh, for a year and then came upon this opportunity to go travel with some Broadway shows, um, some touring Broadway shows. And it was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up with my history in dance and theater and it just seemed like the coolest job and it's something I never knew physical therapists did. Uh, so I went out on the road. I got to tour with The Lion King and Wicked and a show called War Horse, a show called Come Fly Away. Um, it was a really, really cool experience. Um, and then I decided after a few years kind of off, of off and on traveling that I wanted to settle down a little bit. So I went and did some pediatric sports medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, where I got to start focusing on young dancers. Um, and then I moved to Boston. And I really wanted to create an experience for both dancers as well as female athletes of all different sports. So I opened GirlFit Physical Therapy. Nice. Um, so speaking of GirlFit, um, a piece of the motto states that you are providing girls and women with the tools to stay strong, fit, and achieve their dreams. Um, could you elaborate a bit on this philosophy and share your hope for young dancers and professionals? Of course. Um, I really feel that physical therapy shouldn't just be about providing manual work that helps you feel better for a little bit or even just giving you a list of exercises to go do. Um, I think we really need to do better than that. So at GirlFit Physical Therapy, it's really important to us to teach you how to take care of your own body, to understand your own pain or injury, and to know how to prevent that injury from returning. We also really want to look at you as a whole person and help to connect you with other resources that can be really helpful to help make you the strongest and healthiest dancer, both mentally and physically. Um, and my hope for young dancers really is for them to learn those things early. And my hope for professionals is that they keep an open mind to learning those things at any point in their career. Mm -hmm. I like that aspect of the whole person because I feel like as dancers, we're also human. So that's really important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so what are some of the more common injuries you've treated? So I'd say the more common injuries that we see are mostly low extremity and mostly overuse. Um, that doesn't mean I haven't seen a shoulder dislocation or an ACL tear before in a dancer. Um, there actually have been some studies that uh, have looked at the most common injuries in young female dancers. So I looked up those numbers for you guys. Um, and in this great study, they looked at dancers under the age of 12 and over the age of 12. So under the age of 12, the most common injuries were foot, ankle, lower leg, and knee. 
at 93% of the injuries. But then as a dancer goes, starts to go through adolescence, we saw a rise in hip and back injuries as well. So in the 12 and up age group, 67% of the injuries were still foot, ankle, lower leg, and knee, but they had a bigger jump in the thigh, hip, spine, and upper extremity injuries at 32% of their injuries. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and I actually got to have a really cool experience when I was traveling with the Broadway shows um, that some other PTs I think feel like might not have had. And that is being able to see the differences in the injuries based upon each individual show. So based upon the dance style, the choreography, the props that were used in those shows, um, so one show I worked on had a lot of bounding and jumping, so I saw more lower extremity injuries. Another had headpieces as extensions of their costumes, and um, they did a lot more like neck and back extension in their choreography, so I ended up working on more necks and backs. Um, and another show I worked on had very heavy puppets that also included an aspect where they could create very tiny movements using their fingers and hands and wrists. So on that show, I saw more shoulder and wrist injuries. So that was a very interesting experience. And it was really cool to be able to help each dancer really succeed in their unique environment. Thank you so much for looking those numbers up for us. That's really interesting to think about just the different um, types of choreography and shows and how that affects the injuries. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting experience as a physical therapist. Uh, so can these injuries be avoided through proper training methods and what might those methods be? So I do think a lot of injuries, uh, especially overuse injuries, can be avoided by taking a closer look at training methods and technique. Um, one of the biggest areas I think we could look at is volume of training. Um, so, you know, dancers like all athletes should be careful of overtraining. It seems like the more you practice, the better, but your body really does need recovery time and pushing through fatigue can be a recipe for injury. Um, dancers should try their best to anticipate big increases in their training schedule and try and prepare for that increase before it happens, not just waiting and seeing what happens. Um, they can do that by increasing their strength training, their cross training before that change happens to help provide a slower ramp up. Um, big changes in training volume often lead to a lot of injuries. Um, so, I also heard about a very interesting study in volleyball players, actually, but I think it applies really well to this situation, too. So what they did is they took motion sensors and they put it on the volleyball players, and then they watched their jump height. And when their jump height went down a certain amount during practice, they pulled them out and made them rest. Um, and they saw a big decrease of injuries just by keeping them from pushing through that fatigue. So I feel like we can apply that same kind of concept to, to every sport, really, and really just listening to your body and seeing the cues those kind of cues that aren't just pain or soreness, you know, it's noticing if like your jumps aren't as high or feeling tired, or you're shaking and things like that. And knowing that those, that those are warning signs that your body's telling you, maybe you need to like take a little bit of a rest today. Um, the Australian ballet actually uses a similar concept where they require their dancers to be able to do more than 20 single leg heel raises um, or like a releve in parallel um, after bar in order to move on to center. And they believe that this is helping prevent a lot of injuries in their dancers by keeping them from pushing through calf fatigue. I thought that was very interesting. Um, so another area we could talk about all, all these for a long time, but another area I think that is really important to touch on is safe stretching. Um, and I think this is another aspect of training that can help prevent a lot of injuries. So, a few things, um, make sure not to over stretch or over roll out your muscles, okay? You need to do this in moderation. 
Um, it's important to understand that you shouldn't stretch cold. Um, you shouldn't hold stretches for extended periods of time. And you shouldn't, uh, this is for, I feel like I've heard this story too many times. You shouldn't jump straight into a split on the floor to show your friends at school that you can do a split. You know, these are the times that I feel like I hear about a lot of injuries that could have just really easily been prevented. Um, and then also just as a dance community, I think we need to do better at not glamorizing hyperflexibility, um, which leads to kids like forcing splits and oversplits and other extreme flexibility positions like at the end range of a joint that can make a lasting change in the non-muscular tissues and even damage the structures that you need to keep your joints stable. Um, this can lead to instability and in the future, and that can also lead to injuries. Um, it doesn't mean it's not okay to be flexible. It is okay to be flexible, but we need to teach dancers to access their flexibility safely, to care for the longevity of their bodies, and to have the strength to really control their flexibility and mobility. That's, that's the most important concept. Um, and then finally, I'll touch just a tiny bit on technique. We could also talk about this for a long time, but um, you know, there's just a million little de details that we could talk about, but I think really the most important things are just really simple things you can learn as a young dancer. Things like not forcing turnout, teaching good foot posture, um, improving lower extremity mechanics, alignment of your hips and your knees and your feet. And those little tiny things will go a really long way throughout your whole career. Just making sure you have good solid form on the most basic things and then translating that as you learn harder and harder skills. Um, and then similarly, when it comes to point readiness, also just making sure that that's not just determined by age, but it's really looking at strength, body mechanics, form, just that same concept, um, and just not rushing into that discipline or any discipline that requires more stability, because um, that can really result in a lot of overuse injuries. Mm. What I'm sensing from all this is the importance of really building a, a solid foundation before jumping into something that your body might not be ready for given your current strength or flexibility levels. Exactly. And that can translate to any sport really. Yeah, that actually leads into our next question almost perfectly. Um, it's what advice would you give to a younger student that may be asked to do something that's beyond their physical capability, but they don't want to get in trouble. So a dancer, for example, a dancer only has a certain amount of rotation and a given day that the teacher wants them to turn out more, things like that. Yeah, um, I know this is tough and I have been there too, um, but you have to advocate for yourself. Um, it's a good skill to learn as a dancer and it's a good skill to learn just in life in general. Um, you can say something like, I feel some discomfort getting into this position and I want to make sure not to get injured. I'm sure they don't want you to get injured either. Um, and that kind of like opens the door for the bigger conversation. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Um, and discomfort doesn't have to be physical either. You know, um, another strategy might be developing a relationship with a physical therapist before you're ever injured um, and then connecting your physical therapist with your dance instructors. This can help your PT really build rapport with them. Um, so they trust you in those situations and you can help the younger dancer navigate those. Makes sense. That's, that makes a lot of sense to really begin at a young age advocating for what your body needs because your teacher doesn't obviously know what, what you're feeling. So that's important. Um, kind of going back a bit to the, the flexibility. So if someone does want to increase their flexibility in a safe way, um, are there certain pointers that you would give them or things that you'd recommend? I know sometimes we're told like 
sit in your oversplit for five minutes or use this foot stretcher. And while it's okay to want to gain flexibility and can be a very healthy thing, we want to make sure we're approaching it in a way that's safe for our bodies. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked this question. Um, you know, I'm going to start with with everybody's body is different and everybody has a different composition of your their tissues. So yes, some people may have or gain flexibility a little bit more easily. Um, and that's okay. Everybody's a little bit different. Everybody has, has things that they need to work on. Um, but also the complicated thing is that that can change and fluctuate as you grow. So like each time you grow, your bones will get a little longer and then it takes your muscles some time to catch up. So that's where a lot of times dancers kind of in their adolescent years get into a little trouble because they're used to having a certain amount of flexibility and then they grow and then they don't have it, but they're still doing the same skills. Um, and so, and then the other thing that you touched on too is just, yes, also your, your tissue composition changes as you age as well. So then you have to just make sure that you're always really in tune with your body, listening to your body and making sure that you are doing safe stretching and respecting and loving the body that you have. Um, but like one example could be that a really large turnout might not be safely attainable for certain dancers because of just because of the bony alignment of their hips that, that you can't necessarily change. And that is okay. And we need to make sure that that's okay in the dance community and that you can still be a really beautiful dancer. Um, so onto the tips for safe stretching. Um, one thing is that um, gentle foam rolling in moderation is a great way to work on the pliability of your muscles without overstretching. But you do have to make sure not to overdo this either. You don't want to be rolling your muscles all day, every day, because that's not great for them either. You know, everything in, in moderation. Um, but a lot of times dancers will tell me they feel tight, but then they'll fold themselves in half or bring their legs straight to their face. They're not actually tight, but they have that feeling. So foam rolling can be a great way to kind of address that yourself without overstretching something that's already overstretched. Um, you also need to make sure that you're warmed up really well before you stretch just to get the most out of it and also to be safer when you're stretching. Um, it's best to do your gentle static stretches like sit down stretches at the end of dance rather than doing them before you, before you dance. You want to do more dynamic movements before you dance or dynamic stretches. Um, and then also it's, it's safe. So this is kind of what you touched on before Rachel of like sitting in a split for five minutes. So it's actually a lot safer to do shorter periods of time, you know, every day or each day rather than doing one time for a really, really long time or even every day for a really long time. Um, so this brings me back around to research. We try and be evidence-based in everything we do. Um, so they've shown that you get the most out of a stretch at around 30 seconds. And then you don't get that much more out of it the longer you go until you get to this point when you stop stretching muscle and you can start stretching things that shouldn't necessarily be stretched like your ligaments or your joint capsule because those things won't necessarily bounce back. And then that can lead to this instability um, or hyperflexibility in this joint that you might not need and then you have to work really hard to control, okay? So it's a good idea to do about 30 seconds. We usually say three times, make sure alternating sides. You don't need to be sitting in something for much longer than that at all because it can lead to, like I said, kind of overstretching and getting into some of the tissues that shouldn't be stretched. Um, and then on a similar note, it's not a great idea to ever let anyone um, push on you when stretching a coach or another dancer push on you when you're stretching because this can also lead to injury. Mm. Is there a way that a dancer can know if they're beginning to stretch into the ligament um, 
instead of the muscle? You know, not, not an easy way uh, for you to know yourself. I think you just have to trust the research. So I think the exact numbers were, were 30 seconds was kind of the best benefit. And then you got about the same up to about two minutes. And then above that one or two minute mark is when you started getting into things you shouldn't be stretching. So I wouldn't hold stretches longer than a minute. And really you're not getting, you know, if you're going to get more bang for your buck, if you do 30 seconds and switch sides and 30 seconds and switch sides just to stay safe and get the most out of it. How might a dancer know when they're injured and need to go see a doctor or a physical therapist versus have some sort of just a small tweak that could be solved through resting for a couple of days or not going full out? This is a great and tough question. Um, it is really important for you to listen to your body. Um, but we know that dance is a really demanding sport. And so, yes, you will be sore sometimes, and that's okay. Um, the most important thing is trying to know the difference between pain and soreness. And it is okay if you're not perfect at that, and that's why we're here. Um, but you can do your best to try and see those differences. Um, muscle soreness is okay, and it's expected but it should go away after a few days. Typically, it's more symmetrical, um, one, um, kind of on both sides. Uh, however, obviously, if you have certain choreography, sometimes it can be a little bit more asymmetrical. Um, pain is not something you wanna push through, and it shouldn't be ignored. Pushing through pain is likely never going to result in that pain just going away. Sometimes pain is felt like a little bit closer to a joint rather than in the middle of a muscle, but that is not always the case. Um, but that's one little sign. If you're feeling it in the joint, it's probably not something to ignore. Uh, sharp shooting pain, swelling, or limping are things you really should not ignore. Those are signs that you need to take a rest. You need to find out what's going on. Um, and again, this is another good reason to establish a relationship with a physical therapist before you're injured because we can help teach you what not to ignore. And we can also, it'll help us also to know your baseline so that we can quickly help you discern what might turn into a more serious injury. But it's hard to do on your own. You know, you can you can use some of these tips and guides, but um, you know, it's okay to reach out and have resources. That's that's why we're here to help you. Uh, if a dancer does not have ac access to a dance physical therapist, if you know they're the physical therapist that they're able to go to is more of a generalized physical therapist, are there specific questions that they may want to ask the physical therapist? or specific things they should sort of be advocating for? Yeah, this is also an awesome question. I'm so glad you asked this. Um, it is definitely okay to have a great physical therapist who isn't necessarily a dance expert or even a former dancer. Um, good physical therapists know anatomy and biomechanics and movement. Um, and just having a background as a dancer, like obviously that's nice and it's, you know the, the terms and the terminology and kind of the movements and things like that, but doesn't necessarily make you a great dance PT. Like the most important thing for you to look for in a good physical therapist is somebody who's willing to problem solve, willing to think critically, and takes the time to really listen to you and treat you as the unique and specific athlete that you are. Um, and when it comes to the specifics of, of dance or any sport, you can bring in videos, you can, you know, send examples of exactly what you're talking about. You can show them, we can video it, slow down your movement and watch what's going on. So um, a good PT will do all of those things with you. They don't necessarily have to be a dancer. Mm. And if a dancer is going to PT, are there times when they might need specific treatments? I know at GirlFit, um, 
you offer dry needling and cupping and Graston. Is there a time when a dancer might think they need those treatments or is it usually the physical therapist that decides? So it can be really tough to know exactly what you need without like a full assessment of a physical therapist, but understanding the treatments is definitely a great idea. Um, so I thought I'd explain a little bit about each of these and kind of tell you why we do them. And then you also might hear some similarities between all of them. So it is not always a perfect, easy choice, easy, even for a PT to make where of, you know, where to start, but we'll talk about that more in a moment. So cupping um, is a type of manual therapy that provides a negative pressure or like a suction to lift the skin in superficial layers of fascia. Um, it helps to increase blood flow to the area as well as providing like a decompression and stretch to the tissue being treated as opposed to like if we're massaging, we're pushing down. So the cupping is actually pulling up and decompressing those tissues. Um, so the goal of cupping is to decrease perceived tightness in an area, increase blood flow, decrease restrictions, and improve mobility. Um, dry needling targets muscular restrictions by inserting a very fine like monofilament needle through the skin and into the deeper muscle tissue, targeting um, what's called a muscular trigger point, um, which you might also know as kind of like a knot in your muscle. Uh, the goal of dry needling is also to decrease perceived tightness in an area, decrease restrictions, and improve mobility. Um, Graston is a type of manual therapy that uses a stainless steel instrument, and it is to help change that perception or feeling of tightness in mus muscle or fascia. Um, and the goal of Graston technique is to decrease perceived tightness, increase blood flow, decrease restriction, and improve mobility. So you've probably heard a lot of overlap between those. So you know, a lot of times we're addressing similar things. Um, as a physical therapist, like our profession in general is every day trying to become more and more evidence-based. So if there's evidence behind a treatment, your physical therapist will want to try that first. Um, I think of it as like physical therapists having on a little tool belt and we have all these different tools that we can use, all different techniques or strategies or ways to look at things. Um, and you wanna pull out those evidence-based tools first, you know, the different things you know have, have some support from research behind them. And if they work, great. And if they don't, you can try other tools too. Just because there's not exactly evidence on something yet doesn't mean there's not going to become more evidence as we continue to research things. Um, it's just if, if there's evidence against something, that's obviously not something probably we're going to try or, or waste your time doing, you know. Um, but it's also really, really important to understand that manual therapy cupping, Graston, dry needling, any of these things are most successful in conjunction with a strong therapeutic exercise program. So even if you have done similar exercises before, it's often the timing of those treatments that actually allows you to make progress. So for example, it's really hard to get a muscle strong if it's all knotted up and restricted and tight. So sometimes we need to be doing those things to you know, change those restrictions in the tissue and then getting you strong at the same time so or or immediately after so that we can actually make some difference if we're just trying really hard to strengthen this muscle that's all knotted up we're not going to get anywhere so don't you know close the door on those exercises before you know that you know together those plant those things can actually make progress even if you've tried them before okay um, in this similar situation a trigger point in your muscle or tightness to um, knots in these muscles, that's going to come back if you don't address the strength, posture, and body mechanics that we're putting more stress on those tissues. So again, don't, don't write off these exercises, even if it's something you've done before, um, because 
it's sometimes it's a few steps forward and one step back and a few steps forward and one step back, but we're not going to be able to make progress unless we fix those things that were causing the stress on the tissue in the first place. Um, so just keep an open mind, be compliant and give your physical therapist a good, good solid shot. Hmm. That totally makes sense. It's encouraging to hear that even if something might not have worked for some other injury or in the past, that there's still a good chance that it will work. Yeah, sometimes it's just, it's all about the timing. <laughs> so kind of switching gears, what is your best advice in terms of maintaining good mental health while being out with an injury or not able to dance? So similar to my advice um, with regards to connecting with a physical therapist before you're injured, it's a great idea to connect with a mental health professional before you think you ever need them. Um, you know, that can help you know your baseline and help them to be able to help you navigate these situations that are a little bit tougher that you might encounter. Um, also, I think it's really important for all of us to diversify the activities that bring us joy in life, just in case you have to take a little bit of a break from one of those things. Um, and then finally, I you should make sure that you talk about how you're feeling. Try not to compare yourself to others um, and surround yourself with positive people that really make you feel good. Mm -hmm. I think that that component of also realizing that you're not alone in the injury, like mm -hmm. so many dancers and athletes go through this. It's a very normal thing. And so just realizing that other people have been injured as well and that you will get back to your activity or sport, but you have to kind of give yourself a little bit of rest first and take that time. You might even come back stronger. Yeah, exactly. Look at everything as an opportunity to come back better, stronger, smarter. Mm. Uh, during this time when we're dancing at home, you know, a lot of us are still sort of in this quarantine situation um, and we're not doing as many jumps and high impact movements. Uh, are there parts of the body that are getting weaker and how can we kind of maintain these for keeping up our strength until we get back into the studio? Yeah, so jumping is not necessarily about a certain muscle, but it's more about explosive movement, right? Um, the muscles that you use when, you're jump, when you jump are the same ones you use when you squat or you lunge or you heel raise, et cetera. Um, so staying strong is important, um, but I don't necessarily think you have to completely rest from jumping and other explosive movements. Um, you could consider jumping in good supportive sneakers um, rather than barefoot uh, or on a more giving surface like well-groomed grass that doesn't have a lot of holes or divots in it. Um, another thing that you could look for is an outdoor track because that has actually like a good amount of cushion on it rather than jumping on like concrete or I, I definitely would avoid jumping on concrete or extended jumping on hardwood floors. But you know what I'm talking about with a, like a actual official track where, yeah. where you run outside. Yeah. So that, that will have like a little bit more of a cushion or some, a similar surface if you can find one. Um, and then also you might want to consider jumping in parallel rather than turn out just because that'll increase your stability, especially if you're on an unfamiliar surface. Uh, but really just the same thing, listen to your body and with like anything, don't increase too quickly. And what about running if for during this time, you know, if a dancer wants to sort of have that high impact, would that be on the track or even just outside? Would that be an activity they could do? Sure. Um, you know, it's, I don't think running has quite the same explosive like movement as like jumping does, but it, you know, it is a little higher impact. Again, just make sure you go really slow with the ramp up of the running. We have 
seen quite a few injuries during quarantine of people picking things up really fast um, and too much too quickly. So just make sure you do a nice slow ramp up of that new, it's going to be a new movement for your body. So, um, and then remember, you know, running is a lot more similar to dance than something like swimming or biking. So sometimes if you're looking for a cross training activity, that's not the same type, exact same type of muscles, but is going to continue to work on things like endurance and cardio and stuff like that. Consider trying some of those other things too, that, or diversifying all these different cross training activities so that you get your, your body gets really well-rounded strength and endurance. So when we're finally able to return to the studio, are there certain precautions that we should take um, since we haven't been dancing full out due to the limited space? Yeah, we're starting to deal with a little bit of this right now. Um, you know, I think it's just good to go into it understanding that you're not going to be diving in 100% on day one. You spent your whole life building up to these skills you were able to do before you took this break. Um, so don't expect your body to do everything you could do before right then on day one, because that might lead to an injury. Um, you know, be patient again, listen to your body, um, watch for those cues of fatigue, um, or pain or soreness, things like that, that, you know, might be a sign for you to take a little bit of a rest. Um, you know, trying to help give you guys some numbers to actually help guide you. Um, it's tough, but we, we try our best to do that. So when we, when someone's returning from an injury, we usually recommend not increasing more than like a 10% volume per week. So that's a lot slower than people think, you know, even with, if it's, if it's returning to running or jumping or dancing, like it's a, it's a slower progression than you think it will be. Um, and that's okay. And that's what's safe. We don't want to set you back again. This is when you're returning from an injury. Obviously, if you're just coming back from this like healthy break that you've had. Um, I don't think you have to go quite that slow, but I would say if you're kind of constrained to a class schedule, I would try your first week of just doing, you know, not doing more than one class a day and not doing more than a few days that first week. Just take it easy the first week. And then the next week you can add a little bit more. Um, I usually say not to change more than one variable at once. So if you want to add another day or if you want to add more to, to each day, or if you want to add harder things. Like don't change all of those things at once. Pick something to do each week, add another day, add a little bit more length of time each day, or try harder movements or more jumping or things like that. Okay. So kind of break it down in your mind like that if you can. And if you're not constrained to a class schedule, you could break things up a little bit differently and do shorter sessions, more days, and then slowly increase the length of those sessions. Um, either way, it's always a good idea to remember to give yourself at least two rest days a week, um, even when you're at your full training volume, okay? Try and avoid drastic changes in your training volume if possible. And like we said before, trying to anticipate those if you can. Um, it's always so safer to have like a slower ramp up than, than to go really fast into anything really. Um, and also know that you might be sore. That's okay. That you're going to be sore that first week. Just remember what we talked about with soreness versus pain. Listen to your body and connect with a PT if you are a healthcare professional, um, if you need to. If a dancer knows that, you know, in a few weeks they're going back to the studio, would you say that in those coming weeks it might be good to um, increase their cross training a little bit more so that they're strong when they get back? Yes, absolutely. 
been talking with a lot of my dancers about this right now, actually. Don't just wait till that day when all your in-person classes come back or you're doing a full Zoom schedule or anything. Like, make sure you are ramping up and that could be cross-training or that could be adding more jumping if you can find a safe surface to do that on um, a little bit each day or a few days a week so that you're closer to that training volume by that time um, or doing like a, a strength class that's a certain amount of time that kind of mirrors what you might be doing in your dance class too that can be a good idea um, just to kind of think of like the volume you'll need to be at that first week and just slowly build up to that so that the week before you might be doing different things but you're almost at that volume and then kind of going from there. Mm. So we don't want to be going from sitting 100% of the, the time to dancing 10 hours a week, kind of easing into it safely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit. So if a dancer is working with some sort of physical limitation, maybe they have scoliosis or hyperextended legs, do you have any advice for them on how to sort of navigate their classes and navigate their, their training program for that? So really the same advice applies, you know, listen to your body, get in touch with a PT because maybe your needs are a little bit different than someone else's. It's good to know that going into it. Everybody has, just remember, everybody has something that they have to work on and take care of. Um, it's not just you. And it doesn't matter if you have a diagnosis. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got stuff they have to work on. So just finding out what those things are for you is going to go such a long way in keeping you safe and healthy. And then also remember, like we talked about before with the flexibility, like it's okay to have more movement or different movement. You just need to be strong enough to control that movement. So um, don't let that get in your head. If you have a, a specific diagnosis that you think is going to hold you back, just get the tools around you to be safe and smart um, and go into it strong and, and you'll do great. So kind of heading into our final questions, what's your number one piece of advice you'd like to give the movement towards change dance community? I think my number one piece of advice is to listen to, love, and take care of your body. I like that. That's um, and then in this moment, do you have a specific quote that speaks to you? Yeah, so I, I recently heard a discussion between Michelle Obama and her guest, Michelle Norris. Um, and Michelle said, don't reach for normal, reach for better. And I think that can apply to so many challenges we have in our life and our world right now. Um, and looking at it through the perspective of everything we've talked about today, I hope that every dancer will take this as an opportunity to go back stronger, smarter, and a healthier dancer. Mm. I like that quote. And also looking at this time as an opportunity to, to really work on ourselves inside, work on our technique, or um, even spend some time away from dancing, doing something else that we really love is super important. Yeah, exactly. And you can really think about that and just apply it to so many aspects of, of our world and our life right now. Well, thank you so much, Kate. This was really wonderful. And I think this information will be very helpful for our community. Um, if you have further questions for Kate or want to schedule an appointment at GirlFit Physical Therapy, you can do so at their website, girlfitrocks.com. And also be sure to follow them on Instagram at GirlFitRocks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for having me.